0: Hey, everyone. So in this episode, I am sitting down with both my agent and my editor. You may have listened to their individual episodes with me, but today's chat is just as good and so awesome to have their input about After the Rain and their expertise about pre-ordering the book. So I'm excited for you to hear our chat. If you want to listen to their individual episodes, you can find that at the links in our episode notes here. And you can also find where to pre-order After the Rain there as well. So take good care. Thank you for being here. And I hope you enjoy me chatting with Cindy and Rachel. Hi. I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey, girls. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hi, Cindy and Rachel. I am so happy to have you both on the show today. Rachel, how are you?
1: I'm okay. Uh, it's been a bizarre year, but I have to say that working with you and working with Cindy is a bright spot, so I can't think of a better way to start my day this morning.
0: Awesome. And Cindy, how are you doing? I feel similarly. I think I
2: keep you know, looking for things to look forward to, and bringing this book out into the world with both of you um, is definitely something that has kept me going.
0: So for those listening, we are on the call with my editor, Rachel Hiles, and my agent, Cyndia, and we are going to be talking about After the Rain, which is debuting October 13th of this year. And I'm sure you've heard their individual episodes, but if you have not already, you can do so in our archive of podcast episodes. And we're just going to kind of flow with this. I wanted us to be able to sit down and talk. I mean, it's quite rare that folks are able to do this with their agent and editor on the air. So I am just really excited. But I wanted to kick off this chat talking about After the Rain, of course, and bringing it to the world in a little over a month. So Cindy, I want to have you kick off this chat. How excited are you for After the Rain to finally be coming out into the world? Because I'm like stoked. I can't wait.
2: Oh, it means so much to me. I think, you know, understanding your journey and knowing the amount of support that you have with this book coming out into the world, it means a great deal to me, the trust that you have instilled in both Rachel and myself and our teams. And to watch you be able to share a really personal story and have it sort of intersect at this time when the world needs it the most, there is truly nothing more fulfilling as an agent, I think, to see the gift that you have and being able to give that to people who need it the most right now.
0: Aww. Thank you. But you know, I've struggled over the past few weeks specifically around the book and the expectations that I have for it and just the human feelings that go along with it. So hearing you say that makes me really happy. Rachel, I'm going to direct this question to you. How has it been working on After the Rain with me? And I know I've heard you guys say this a few times, like by the time the book comes out, the world is going to need this book. For me, that sounds really big. It sounds exciting, but it sounds really big Kind of scary. So, can you talk about why you think the world needs After the Rain and how it's been, you know, connecting on this project and bringing it to life? Yeah, I
1: was just thinking this morning about the last time the three of us were on the phone, which I think was probably when we talked about this baby book before it, when it was just a glimmer in your eye when I had just gotten the proposal, which was probably two years ago or so. And to watch something, I mean, that's, the great joy of being a book editor is that you get to see something from when it's just a sort of rough idea that hasn't totally taken shape yet. It doesn't have a design vision. It might not be organized. It's just an idea in someone's heart and mind. And watching it become something that I can hold in my hands and that I can give to people as gifts that I can see online spreading around the world, like that, to me, the sort of manifestation of taking something from an idea to a beautiful physical product is the greatest joy there is in my career. So in particular, watching your book go from being this idea to being such a vivid, powerful product has been such a joyful journey from beginning to end. I couldn't be prouder of what we made together. And I think I understand it might feel like a lot to be the expectations that we have for this book. But that's the reflection of you and how much we believe in what people need and what you're offering and your really unique ability to speak truth in a way that is non-judgmental and full of acceptance and full of personal experience and so I think that sort of honesty and presence is what we need right now but it's also what we always need you know um, Mm -hmm. we bought Chronicle bought this book before COVID before reckonings were going through as a country before all of this we needed this book and wanted this book and so I think it's evergreen because people will always be struggling and facing their traumas and their fears and their insecurities. And so while I think this moment is especially primed for this kind of content, I think this book has such a long life beyond 2020
0: and the months to come. So I love that. Thank you. That makes me very I'm smiling ear to ear on my closet floor, hiding out from everyone. (laughs) Just really, really happy (laughs) to be able to have you to work on such heart's work with me. I don't think people really understand how different this book is gonna be from my other books. It's my big girl book, is how I've been saying it to y'all. So to be able to put out something that, you know, talks about my relationship with my mother talks about my insecurities, talks about trying to conceive, talks about relationship trials and errors and sticking it out through really painful experiences in life and in love. I mean, I just really hope that folks understand the truth behind after the rain and like knowing that all of us have our stormy periods all of us have our downfalls right and then joy comes and meets us again and then the sun comes out and then the rainbows come out and any other way you kind of want to think about pain and healing Kind of going hand in hand. I hope this book is able to provide that for everyone who reads it. So I wanted to kind of open the floor to y'all too and see if you had any questions for me before I ask more questions to you.
1: I would love to know, like thinking back to when you first sent this proposal out into the world and now, you know, years later having it in your hands, did anything surprise you about? how it came together, you know, did it align with your initial visions? Mm. I just love hearing from authors about sort of how things changed or didn't change from that initial thought to sort of what the finished product came to be.
0: I think content-wise, it met my expectations because I knew what I wanted to write. I remember talking to Cindy and letting her know like the absolute vision and I think that it came up perfectly. One thing I was nervous about, and we all have chuckled about this, is the cover and how it would present. I was very nervous, but it is gorgeous. Like every detail is stunning. And that is not something I could have imagined a couple of years ago when we first were bringing this to fruition. I am so, so, so in love with the design, the interior, the cover, the texture, the sparkle, and the raindrops on the cover. Like I just... I love it so that that was pretty exciting and surprising and just to see my words in a cover that really does showcase who I am you know the simplicity of it the beauty of it and also just kind of the grit that went along with bringing the cover and and design really to the forefront because we kind of struggled with that initially but it's perfect it is perfect I love it so much I
2: have one for you. For those who are new to you or, you know, are venturing for the first time kind of into this space of vulnerability and healing work, what do you hope this book will do for those people? And how do you kind of invite them to interact with
0: this book? I think my main goal for After the Rain, or my main intention rather, is that it gives other people permission to share their truth in their stories without shame or guilt attached to them. For folks who are new to my work, I think that we're going to be able to resonate with one another, just on a human level, just on a person going through a thing, whether it's the same or not, and being able to come out on the other side of that thing with a lesson, with love, with understanding, with compassion of self and others. And I also hope that people use the meditations and reflections, affirmations that are in the book too. Like I want this to really be a guide and a tool for people to, you know, read a long essay and then pause and then read another long essay and then meditate and just have a moment of like an experience with After the Rain. I really want this book to be an experience for folks that they can come back to. It's a collection of lessons and I want people to be able to learn through my lessons and also give voice and give face to their own. I think that's what I would say to that.
1: I was just flipping through the book again this morning for the first time in a few weeks, and I was struck by something that struck me when you first sent the whole manuscript to me, which is one of the final chapters, which is Forgiveness, A Note to Self. And that really sort of breaks the form of the rest of the book, which is told through these individual stories and vignettes. And then self is really sort of like a personal conversation with yourself, almost stream of consciousness. And I love that it breaks the form, but I wanted to ask you about, you know, where did that come from? Why did you want to include that entry that feels a little different than all the preceding lessons?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I think so often when we think about forgiveness, we think about extending it to other people. People. And that is something that I think is really, really special and important to our process. But what I think is even more special is being able to lean into self forgiveness, which is something I'm still really working on and something that feels extremely tender still in my life. So deciding to write that note to self on forgiveness was really my permission to start letting some things go, to start letting some of that pain go that is in the lessons of After the Rain, from the relationship with my mother to the relationships with my family to my marriage. You know, everything is really interwoven. And to be able to give myself grace and say, hey, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know what you're doing. I think that's a great way to remind folks that we are flawed and that our imperfections and flaws should be welcomed in our lives, and so should our self-forgiveness, so should understanding that we're not always going to get it right, and we still are deserving of our own love. We're not always going to make the right decisions, and we are still deserving of our own compassion. And then that just really trickles into our community. I've been talking a lot about self-care as community care, and the act of forgiveness of self is a radical. act of self-care that in turn spills over to our community, to the readers, uh, to our loved ones, to our jobs. And I thought it was a good way to end the book because I was having trouble figuring out what lens to write it from. And then I just said, just write. And that's what came up.
1: And I think the effect of that is that you're modeling that conversation for the reader too, right? Like if that's something you want them to work through on their own terms, I think not telling it in a story version, but actually showing someone what that conversation looks like in your own head, I think is a really powerful way to invite people to begin that process in their own lives.
0: And that's what I want it to be. I want this book to be an invitation as well. So I love how you put that. I really love how you put that. Cindy, do you have a a favorite lesson that you can recall off the top of your head?
2: Oh, gosh, a favorite lesson.
0: I think the
2: first, your opening chapter for me is... (laughs) Everyone (laughs) likes change the most. (laughs) Because it's something we're all familiar with in our own ways, right? And I think you're able to talk about it in a lot of different perspectives and it's both a source of um, fear, but also empowerment. And I love that you opened with that because change is constant, right? And the only thing that changes is our ability to respond to it and the ways in which we embrace it. And I think that, yeah, just the way that you, talk about it, I think. And, you know, the very specific examples of, you know, times in your life where you had to, I think is just a great, it's a, the book feels very safe to join you in this journey. Mm,
0: mm. I like change. (laughs) I like change in the book because it also kind of depicts the breaking point in my life as far as like becoming self-employed and taking a risk on myself which felt really scary but also it really showed like I didn't belong in the workplace a lot of the time and I don't want to ruin it for the reader but it's really laugh out loud funny some parts and I'm glad that Rachel nudged me to put that one first because it's just a easeful kind of light way to start the book. Rachel, is Change still your favorite too?
1: It is and I think I said this in our last conversation, but I think, like you said, it invites people in, in a way. I think this category of personal growth and self-care can be a little precious sometimes. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. And I think reminding people, I think you already through your existing platforms and workshops and social media are constantly reminding people like you're not perfect. You're doing this work constantly. The work never ends. But even then, I think people can look at people um, like you, you have a beautiful family, you are such a good writer, you've achieved success, you know, so it can feel like this person has it figured out. And when you In that change chapter, you're like, oh no, she was like a teenager in 20-something doing all the same ridiculous, embarrassing, lazy, whatever things that the rest of us did. And seeing that part of your journey, I think it makes you seem more accessible, makes your story seem more accessible and like something we can all relate to. And it makes me laugh every time I read it. So which is not something I expected from this book. So I think that that's something really special about that change chapter.
2: And I just want to add on that Alex is actually one of the funniest people I know. And I think that will work. <laughs> you know, she channels, you know, her inner peace and and is very soothing, which is a constant for her. But I agree with you, Rachel. I think that that first opening chapter reminds us, like Alex, was where we all were, and we all are on similar journeys. And you know, we can all arrive at places of healing and transformation.
0: That's funny. I think I'm a pretty funny person too. So thanks so much, so much for that. I don't think people think that. I have a sense of humor sometimes because, you know, I am self-aware, but I'm also, you know, I love laughing. I love cracking jokes. I love being a clown. And that's just, I don't know. It's just funny. I loved writing change. It was hilarious. And I think it shows people I am not walking around in a caftan with bare feet burning incense and stuff all day long. I mean, rarely ever, actually. (laughs) So it just kind of humanizes me and my work a little bit more. And I love that. So. Recently, I've been thinking about my next favorite essay in the book, and I think it's going to have to be comparison. And that essay is about my mom and I's, Dynamic. And it really shifted a lot of things writing that. And it opened up a pathway of communication for my mom and I to dive in about our relationship. And I wanted to check with y'all to see what comparison, if you've read it in a while, left on your heart as far as the duality of our relationships. I think that story struck me
1: because it's kind of, there's a lot of like scene setting in that story, which I think you're not only comparing like the exact interaction between your friend and her mom and how that compares to your own relationship with your mom, but you're also like, I remember you're like driving down this road and there's trees and you walk in through the front porch and you see the food they've laid out. Like it feels like sort of laden with comparisons. And I think for me, it made me sort of think about my own maternal relationships in my life and how I don't necessarily, I haven't necessarily examined them in the way that you have. And I think some of the things you talk about, like the unspoken way that they touch each other when they pass one another by and the sort of, it's not about fighting or loving or anything. It's just the sort of ease of that relationship. And I think what it was so powerful about that It's not explicit, I think is what I'm trying to say. You're not sort of heavy-handedly saying like they were fawning over each other. They were holding hands or what it's like this sort of natural way of being. And when you hold that against other relationships, you see what they lack, but you also see that they have a different kind of power Mm. and where you get to in your story is that maybe that's not, I mean, I don't, you know, without giving too much away, I think you get to a place where (sighs) It's not about my mom was or wasn't the same as this but that she had her own power and she gave me other things and those weren't always easy but they were just as important and getting to a place where you can hold that and see that and let go of she's not my friend's mom she'll never be my friend's mom is such a lesson for all of us whether that comparison is with our relationships with our parents our relationships with our partners our relationship with our children our relationships with ourselves <laughs> (laughs) You know, there's so much to take away from that comparison lesson.
2: I think, you know, there is, again, I think what Rachel said, there's a lot of scene setting. You know, we feel like we're right by your side as you're interacting with your friend and her mom and having sort of interior conversations about how you're feeling. And I think it's always easier to look at other people's lives from the outside and look at all the things that you don't have right? Or the things that you want. And I think that perspective shift, which is something we have to constantly do, reminds us of the ways that love shows up in our own life, right? Even if people have different ways of expressing it. And whether that's maternal, whether that it's from other people outside of sort of your home unit, I think, again, that lesson of compassion, you know, of meeting people where they are and being able to, you know, receive their actions In the way that they intended to you know and you have a lot of great moments towards the end where you start to look at the way that your mom displayed love to you differently and they're in the smallest of details but it's again a reminder that those are the things that we should focus our energy and attention on rather than looking at all the things that we don't have
0: That. So, to switch gears a little bit, I want to talk about the importance of pre ordering. So, from an agent and an editor, because I find that folks don't get an inside look at this very often. So, Cindy, can you share your opinions on why it's so important for folks to pre order? And I am just, aside from me being so excited to get this book in as many hands as possible, on the back end, the business side, what is the importance of consuming? consumers pre-ordering their favorite author's book and sharing the word about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, again, as Rachel had mentioned, we see such a long life for this book, you know, it's an evergreen book that we think that people will really treasure and hold on to for a long time and come to at different points in their life. But for your existing audience, and those who see this book, pre-ordering is a really incredible way to support authors whose work they want to champion. It shows excitement for the book, for booksellers, for, you know, the publicity and media campaigns that we're running and just builds a lot of excitement for the book before its release. And oftentimes pre-order numbers can be indicative of that level of excitement. And that's not always the case, but it's definitely one aspect of building momentum around the book before it comes out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Cindy has put it really well. I think this book has a long life and we want people to come to it and we expect people to come to it for years and years. But I think, especially in this, time where everyone is measuring metrics and, you know, we live in an information age. So tracking these things is so much easier than it was when you would just Go to your bookstore the week a book came out and buy it there. Now there's so much more that goes into giving a book as much momentum as possible so that it can live its best life and reach the widest audience possible. You know, we find that when we have really strong pre orders, like it means that it's reaching at the target audience, but then those people are telling people, they're telling their friends, they're sharing it, they're finding out about it more organically because it's, you know, ranking higher on. On the websites that they use to shop, um, or they're seeing it on social media because people are sharing that they just pre-ordered their copy and they're so excited. And so, you know, if you love Alex, which I know everyone listening does, because how could you not? The best way to support this book and support her work, and also make sure that it reaches everyone who needs this, which is honestly everyone on the face of the earth, is to pre-order, and that'll help it. You know, it'll give it all of the momentum that we want to kick off a very long and fruitful journey.
0: Thank you. So from the mouths of my agent and my editor, why pre-ordering is so important, not just for me and my work, but for other folks' work as well. So if you're a book lover, share this with other book lovers and make sure that they know how special and supportive pre-ordering is. So if you want to pre-order after the rain, you can do so at the link in these episode notes. I will have it right there for you. And there are so many different avenues you can choose from. My personal favorite is bookshop.org because they directly support indie bookstores. So ladies, before I let you go, I have to ask what self-care is looking like these days, seven months into pandemic life and everything else that's going on with the election around the corner. How are y'all leaning into self-care these days, big or small? Cindy, why don't you go first?
2: My biggest change in the way that I practice self care lately has been to really listen to what I need, which I'm not always good at doing. So it changes for me day to day. You know, sometimes I need more rest, sometimes I need more connection. You know, I've also been doing sort of a lot of personal healing work as well. And I think I've just been really listening to what I need and understanding that's going to look different week to week, day to day, because I think. At first I was trying to have a routine or, you know, sort of have some kind, of, kind of like reliable things that I could turn to and very quickly realized that the best thing I can do for myself is to really listen to my body and my spirit and kind of just move with it day to day.
1: I have really been leaning into what sort of accidentally became my personal mantra. Maybe a year or two ago, a friend of mine, I was giving her advice and sort of a pep talk and she was like, you're just ruthlessly optimistic and ruthlessly kind. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was hilarious because it's one thing to be optimistic and kind, but there's something about the word ruthless that suggests (laughs) like sort of like a stubbornness. And I think I love that so much that I actually got the acronym R-K-R-O printed on a medallion that I wear now because I think as in my professional life and my personal life and in all facets of my life being ruthlessly kind and ruthlessly optimistic means that even when someone is not being kind to you, you are still kind to them. Mm. And when... It's not easy to be optimistic. You still choose to be optimistic. And so it's something I've been practicing more than ever. And I keep returning to over and over again. And it's really become a mantra for me, especially over the last few months. And it's not easy. It's work. But that's where the ruthlessness comes in, I guess.
0: Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC Zone Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.